Path of Night is an actual play Vampire the Masquerade podcast set in the classic world of darkness. We're all friends, we're here to have fun, but our story can include graphic violence, drug use, sexual content, and other mature themes. We've talked at our table about safety, comfort, and consent both as players and storytellers. We know what to expect, we're all excited to be here, and we want you to feel the same. So listener discretion is advised. Now let's walk the Path of Night. It has been some time. A lot of the Coterie has been handling their own personal business, leaving you with an opportunity to finish any preparations you need to make regarding your cafe. If you can, can you go ahead and give me a quick description as to what the cafe looks like? The cafe was more empty when we first saw it. The computers are still in orderly rows. Um, The glass displays look cleared of dust, like they would be ready for food for the mortals coming in. The cafe has a lot of windows, very few curtains uh, blocking off the windows. During the day, it would have light streaming in. During the night, it would have sort of that gauzy effect blocking off the street lights. The walls are covered in photographs, photographs of paintings, of travel, of nature, and sort of a collage type of effect. It's a very neat a visually pleasing aesthetic, light colors, little edges of darkness in the details, modern designs for the time period. When you go through the door for the kindred area, the details, they get darker, more delicate. There's dark wood in the bar, there's booths so that people can have private spaces, little hidden spots. You get the sense that if you were to test spaces, you might be able to find hidden compartments. You find that it's taken some time to kind of get everything in order, but honestly, the labor of it has kind of allowed you to decompress after a series of ultra-violent events and the shock of becoming kindred. Anyone in here would notice that the area is perfectly clean and meticulous, sort of like someone had a vision as to how this might have come across and uh, was pouring that negative energy into it. You might see on a table a sack of colored pencils next to heavy sketch paper or CDs spread across in a very neat way of different musical titles and genres. It seems like things that might ordinarily be left out near a computer or for the guests to uh, interact with. But there's little hints that whoever was setting this up, Britta, that is, that she's been trying to make the space her own, a little confused in that way. So right now you have everything kind of like very carefully arranged. There's this rare occasion where you return to the kindred area and you find something out of place. A chair is moved, a light kind of flickers on and off and is looser than it should be. The first time that happened, Britta called out, very quietly after kind of looking around. Neil? It's never Neil. Does she get any indication of uh, any kind of who? Well, after the 
you know, fourth or fifth night of this, mm-hmm. you, you come into the room again, and this time the faucet is running down by the back sink. And when you get close, you will notice that this time the sink is bloodstained. Britta's coming over at first with like half a mind to turn it off, kind of set things back to how they ought to be. But as she takes a closer look at the sink and that color of it, now, does the water appear to be bloody? Or is it just that like there seems to be some residue in the sink? It looks like there's residue, and it seems to kind of spill over the counter and onto the floor. Mm. But there's no blood on the floor itself. Mm. Don't worry, I'm going to clean it up for you. She's turning around to find the source of that. You find the unmistakable Vito Zantosa. You came back. Of course I come back. I came back for you. But I... I shot you. Nah, that's okay. Um... I intend to express pain with you in unusual ways that will take something like a gunshot and make it as nothing. Well, no, I, I didn't mean to shoot you. Um, it's just... No, no, that's okay. He kind of like steps a little bit closer. Step back. I am of the Zendosa family. Sensation for any purpose is thrilling to us. Addictive. Well, then you're welcome. And she's taking steps. Like, Mm -hmm. she probably doesn't have far to go before she gets back to the sink against her. And when she notices that, she'll kind of like try to veer left or right. I'm glad that I accidentally provided you with that experience, um, but I... No, it was no accident. And I suppose that is what I find myself wondering. If the rest of your friends were intending on keeping me alive, why did you wish for me to die? There's a lot I don't know about my memory and things just happen sometimes so maybe if there's something about your and your is there someone who would want to shoot your family or cause people to want to shoot you yes of course would you mind telling me about them the zantos are an evil people most would desire us expunged from the world Anyone particularly skilled in... In what, exactly? Anything you've seen from me. No. You, you so far are one of a kind. She kind of has that, like, jaw-tightening moment of keeping a straight face. Mm-hmm. Um, our coterie does want to keep you alive. Except for you. Why? It's not me. It's something in my head. And maybe knowing more about who your enemies are could help me know more about me. There is little sense of discussing the litany of enemies with you. But, but perhaps I can help you with your memories. How? By looking into your eyes and uncovering them. I don't feel like you mean just looking. You mean with 
The abilities of your blood? Yes, I do. I don't want that. Sometime soon you're going to have to choose between things you want and don't want. I looked into my memories a bit more with with Miles and found some stuff and maybe I could do it that way again. Why do you want to do it that way? Do not worry. I will not harm you. I promise. He kind of draws just a little closer. Hand now, like, resting on the counter. Vicissitude, from what I can see, it stays on you. What does that even mean? Vicissitude. It is merely the means by which flesh is manipulated. We are all flesh. We've seen some... I mean, you must have seen what we found in that building with you. The ways that they were shaped and it doesn't seem to leave people. He kind of gives this like nervous shiver when you bring it up. The things that are there are not simply manipulated flesh. They are extensions of my master's will. He who sleeps until the final nights. Are you... An extension of your master's will? All flesh is an extension of my master's will. And what does your master's will go towards? <sighs> These are things I would have to teach you in time. But if you would just let me. He reaches for you and seemingly trips and falls. But rather than landing on the floor, he lands up on the ceiling. By some unseen power, he is dragged from the room and the door slams shut behind him. Britta is going to let out a yelp and look for the cause of it. Looking around, Britta seems to be totally alone in the room. And even when you check beyond the room... Mm -hmm. No, she'll run to the door and like jiggle it. Not... Really uh, seeming to follow him, trying to follow the dragging. When you get to the other side of the door, it, because it does open for you. Okay. Vera Zantosa is gone. Mm-hmm. You are alone in the cafe. Is there any sign of disturbance? There is not. Is there any sign of um, anything, like, is the door open? Is there any, like, paper ruffled? Is there anything at all, or is it perfect, perfect? Perfect, perfect. And if I run outside after a, like that glance around, is there anything to do with the outside world that seems different? When you go outside, uh, some of like the windows are fogged, mm-hmm. and because you know it's still like pretty cold winter nights. On the front door, under like where the little bell is and everything to kind of notify you and people arriving, you see it's like someone was breathing against the glass. And then use their fingers to trace something. Mm-hmm. You see the name Britta scrawled across the glass as though it was written with a finger. Britta takes in that image for a second, just almost with that chest tension of someone who needs to breathe, but without mm-hmm. the rise and fall. She memorizes what she can tell about. It's not really even handwriting, but she's looking desperately for like any sense of what's going on. She casts a look around at the surrounding streets. Everything is painfully typical. So in that case, she takes her sleeve, she rubs her name away, 
She goes back inside the cafe and back to the kindred area and she checks to see if the blood in the sink is still there. The blood in the sink is gone. Mm-hmm. And the faucet is, however, running. She turns it off after a moment and kind of sl- like stretches that full body stretch where you place your hands on the edge of the sink and you lean and you arch your back to try to get the tension out of it. Mm-hmm. She casts another look around, just deeply suspicious of the normalcy of the place, kind of stalks to where she's determined her safe spot is, which uh, in the kindred area is behind the bar where she found the gun from before and she kind of found her, uh, found her stuff set up and... She retrieves one of her guns, and she tries to call Wynn. You place a call, and you page her, but it doesn't seem that there's an immediate phone call in return. At the end of the paging, though, um, you can hear familiar music. What kind of familiar music? You can't quite place your finger on it, but it's some sort of instrumental. It's so, so, so distant sounding. Does it seem as if the phone call connected? Yes. And it's a kind of instrumental music. Does it remind me of Miles? It's not over the phone. Mm. You hear this Mm -hmm. coming from somewhere within the the cafe. The phone is getting hung up in that sort of like, I have to ask, is this a flip phone? How does this? Yeah, it's probably a flip phone. (laughs) Do you know that like one finger, like slow, like clap Mm -hmm. hang up when something's wrong? Yeah. She'll do that, and she'll put the <laughs> phone away. <laughs> and uh, the gun is not getting the safety taken off quite yet, but it is very much in hand as she gets back up, stands slowly, and sticks to the edges of the room as she starts heading towards the front of the cafe, sort of like sticking to the walls, not touching the door until she's ready to reach out and push it open and step through. By the time you're touching the door, it is ice cold to the touch. Do I notice this with my uh, touch of frost? You do. Ooh. So I normally wear gloves as Britta, but mm-hmm. I imagine when she's in her haven alone, that might be when she takes the time to remove them and that touch of ice back and the, the contrast of how cold this door must be. She kind of pulls her hand back to herself, but her attention is swinging around the room, scanning for whatever's going on here. You get this uh, morose feeling. Mm. And at this point, you're certain that you're not alone. But with that said, you, you don't really see very much that's out of place. And every time you do, it is under control again within moments. Do I still hear the music? Only when you listen for it. Britta's going to keep listening for it. She's going to slowly, guns still in hand, she's going to go and take one of the chairs from behind the rows of computers, and she's going to, I think it's one of those wheeling chairs, makes like a soundless, (laughs) uh, you know, like when you drag one of those and it kind of like, the wheels don't actually make a sound, but there's just that sort of like shift, Mm -hmm. and she will bring it over to the middle of the room and kind of like fuss with how it's angled for a second before Mm -hmm. sitting down. All of her motions are uh, kind of guarded and uh, slow. But she sits down in the chair, lowers the gun to her side, and says, 
Hello? Who's there? Hello. I can hear you. I can hear you saying hello. Can you say more? Hello. We can talk, all right? I'm... Breda, who are you? Repeats again, trying to communicate something to you. The room is cold, and even as you draw breath, like like a whole unnecessary deep breath, uh-huh. you exhale. You know that bit of fog that comes when you're breathing in the cold? When it's snowy out and you kind of like, yeah, have that puff. You experience that. And that, with the music, seems to take you to another place. Mm. Reality seems to kind of fade and slip from between your fingertips. And you drift off into another time. quite young. Britta is maybe 10 years old. And you can kind of feel that youth, the simplicity of your thoughts and your diminutive size. You feel yourself rocking on some sort of very small boat. The sound of the water's gently slapping against the shore has an unnatural quality to it. Like the sound reverberates in unnatural ways. When you look about, the world is dusky and gray and devoid of any real color. And you are not the only child. There's six of you in all. And one hooded figure who is rowing and making every effort to transport the group of you. And you can't quite clearly see his face, but you recognize him as a man with sharp teeth. Not just the fangs of a kindred, but all of his teeth are sharpened to razor points. If I look behind me, do I see anything indicating from where we came? It's just darkness. That's Britta's first instinct. She checks behind the boat to try to see if there's anything that would give her more history to this Simply moment. dark gray storm clouds, black waves, mm. black sand, mm -hmm. and before you is a city with high walls. And the city is, the stone is cracked. Uh, the city lies in as like ancient ruins. The man leads the group of you off the boat. And you find yourself coming to the realization that whatever this place is, whatever terror it has in store for you, it is your true home. That you have, in this moment, left the world behind you. Britta's chest is rising, rising and falling, and it's sort of making her feel strange in this younger body that she can feel how small she is and the breaths that she's taking. 
And she's staying close to the other kids, keeping track of them, keeping track of the man with, with the pointed teeth, looking around at what has this sense of, uh, it has a sense of home, but it comes with a sense of dread. Yes, this place is not natural. And even with the vast imagination of a 10-year-old child, you know that this is beyond the edge of reality as you know it. And there are others there, all of them kindred. Do they all have the teeth? They do not all have the teeth. But the one that leads you further in does. And you are taken below ground Mm -hmm. where there is a small, uh, almost labyrinth of ruins. And there they have the holding pens for the young humans that they bring there. How long does it seem like some of them have been here? Not all of them are children anymore. Many of them are adults. So whatever period of time it is that you would be expected to be here, it would be measured in years. Britta keeps an eye out along the way for ways to slip away, but she knows there's, well, now she knows they're vampires, but there's a sort of muddling happening, I think, of her memory and uh, her, her circumstance. The memory fades, and again, reality sort of slips between your fingers, and you find yourself with a man with obsidian skin, young people with you, but older than the 10-year-old that you were then. Together, the group of you are training with automatic weapons and firing on these bust statues that are specifically prepared. And you remember hearing the report of these guns and Mm -hmm. taking a certain pride in your proficiency with them. The gun feels less natural in my younger hands. It's uh, I still have to figure out where to lay my fingers, how to catch my grip. A sort of strange double outline of how I know to do it now in my older self and what it feels like to be in that body. Honestly, it feels a lot like the awkwardness of Mm. being a teenager. Yeah. But even then, uh, you perform well and the group of you are awarded with food. Though again, gray and bleak, it is warm to the touch and provides nourishment. The group of you talk about Which among you remembers what the sun looks like and what it felt like? The older children that you've been working with seem to admit to the group as a whole that they no longer quite remember and that the sun is no longer so important. Britta holds on tightly to what the flowers in her neighbor's window looked like, the different kinds and colors. There were always perennials in there. Sometimes she'd change them out, but that's the memory that she holds on to. The color green in the leaves when the flowers were brightest, the Mm. way that it looked in the winter. The group of you share a meal. At its conclusion, you're each sent back Mm. underground to those rooms that you had found when you were first a child brought to this place. It's more like dormitories than cells. You're comfortable here. It's home. They're so familiar. I have memorized the way that the turns form in the walls of this place. I've made comfort for myself, a favorite blanket or cracks to count in the wall by my bed. I recognize them now, looking back on the memory. They seem so intrinsic to 
what my experience had been, but keeping that separation, it's hard to realize that I forgot them once. You come to, or you're kind of looking at it and remembering, you hear a knock at the doorway to your space. When you turn, you recognize Romeo. Romeo? What are you? He gives you a confused look. We've been activated. This is it. Get your things. We're headed to the world of flesh. To engage in a hunt. The Shadow Crusade has use for us. Britta stares at him for a moment. Keeps track of what's on his person. What he seems to mean when he says, gather your stuff. But she turns and she does as he instructs. And... The confusion still written plainly across her face joins him at the door. By the time you straighten and turn to join him at the door, mm. the memory slips from between your fingers mm-hmm. and you find yourself in the dark in your cafe with all of the lights out and you can see the faintest silhouette of Romeo sitting across from you in a chair. Romeo. Brittany. Did those you? were the names we picked. We picked those names. Yeah. Do you remember your name before? Not anymore. I don't know that I even had one. Did I have one? I... <laughs> trying to remember seems to cause him pain. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he fades from view. Romeo? Romeo? Path of Night is an actual play Vampire the Masquerade podcast set in the classic world of darkness. Britta, the unknown new embrace, was played by Rebecca Steigelfest. Johnny Saxon, the Bruja, was played by Garrett Gabby. Miles Davenport, the Venture, was played by Tim Davis. Neil Foster, the Malkavian, was played by Rob Muirhead. Wind Cabot the Gangrel was played by Erica Webb. Your storyteller was Lex Lopez, recording by Rebecca Steigelfest. This episode edited by Rob Muirhead. The music used in this episode was January Grunge Love Fest by Technowax. Visit them online at technowax.com, T-E-K-N-O-X.com. Path of Night uses the 20th anniversary edition rule set of Vampire the Masquerade with a few limited house rules. Vampire the Masquerade and the storyteller system are owned by Paradox Interactive. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at at Path of Night Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash pathofnightpodcast, or email us at pathofnightpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time, Kindred. <laughs>